What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 10th episode of The Coffee Show. My name is Mike, and I got Eric with me today. Happy Thursday. Russell's back here, too. Howdy. You probably didn't hear him. Uh, so, for an announcement this week, we've got our party celebrating uh, you guys getting us into Best of Omaha. So, that's going to be next month, November 15th. It's a Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. at Beercade in Benson. So, wear your coffee gear, come downstairs, bring your IDs. There's not going to be any exceptions. If you want to drink, you got to have an ID. It's a bar. That's how it goes. It's 21 over to drink, but can anyone younger come if they're not drinking? Do we know? Yeah, as far as, I'll double check that, but I believe any anyone can come 18 and up. But, uh, yeah, they can't drink. I, I assume that they'll give it like a stamp on your hand or something, but it'll be their bartenders doing everything. So, um, yeah. We're bud tenders, not bartenders, right? <laughs> no bud tenders here. Maybe we should have a CBD bar there. Yeah, that'd be right. <laughs> hemp tenders? Is that a, is that a new thing? We'll yeah. have hemp tenders next year? And we haven't decided on what we'll have for sure for food, but we will have some kind of food, snacks, and uh, there will be a, a hefty bar tab. So you guys can get some free drinks if you get there early. Drink, drink, drink. Yeah. Uh, so first up, this is from Fox Business. Uh, this is a NFL player that's starting a CBD company. So, or I should say, former NFL player. Russell's messing up back here. Um, so this guy's name is Lofa Tatupu. I probably chopped that up, but that's what we're gonna say today. Uh, he said he has rejuvenated his previously active lifestyle after leaving the NFL uh, by using CBD because he was in serious pain. So he's had 10 surgeries, multiple concussions, and he said the mind-body connection was just not there anymore, and that's what CBD is giving back to him. Yeah, we, I mean, we see this like week after week, whether it be the NFL, hockey players, golfers, it's all these people that, you know, that they're like so frowned upon from using like medical marijuana or anything else, and they use all these years of pain pills, and then they make the switch on their own, and it quickly changes things, and actually like feel normal, feel healthy, and then that pain tends to go away for them all. Right, and so, like, the NFL in these places should be looking at, like, you know, I, I don't know what their, like, the average cycle is. I'm sure most of these guys are out of the NFL by, what, like, 35 or 40? Yeah, usually. So, you would think they'd give them, you know, CBD or medical marijuana, whatever, to sustain them and keep them going longer. It's a much better option to use, especially when you're, like, active in the NFL, as opposed to not being able to take anything, you know, if you're going to take a pain pill, you can't obviously go play football. You're not right. going to be high on opioids when you're doing the Super Bowl. That's why Russell's NFL career ended early. Exactly. Short-lived. Really short. <laughs> so his goal with the company is to bring relief to other pro athletes and others suffering from inflammation, you know, which results in pain. It's pretty much the root cause of any pain. Exactly. Uh... So our next article here is from the New York Times. This is uh, a case of a guy that had a lab test done on his son. Or, uh, yeah, on his son. Yeah. And uh, the lab test was wrong. So in June of 2018, Mark Pennington received troubling news from his ex-girlfriend with whom he shared custody of their two-year-old son. She had taken a hair follicle from the boy and had it analyzed at a lab and a drug test had returned positive for THC. So, obviously the guy hadn't given his two-year-old son THC, 
so he was a little thrown off from it too and of course they told him that he was only permitted to see his child once a week and under supervision so he wanted to get to the bottom of the problem and I guess he had been giving his son uh, honey that was infused with CBD yeah and I mean it's, that's a sad situation especially when it's with kids but like he I'm pretty sure I read in there he worked for this company he was an employee of the honey company so it's not like you're even just like buying something at a gas station i think you know at that point you truly would hopefully believe in what you sell and and what your business is whether you don't own it or not you still work there for something like that to pop up on a child you know that gets ugly really quick when you've got cps and then you know you're being drug tested and that just is so many you know it's a headache and it's a heartache because you know nobody wants to just immediately go from having their kid to seeing the kid once a week in a supervised visit right uh so he ended up speaking with a guy named frank conrad who's the cto and lab director at colorado green lab which is a scientific consultant to the cannabis industry and that mr conrad directed him to a little known study published in 2012 uh, that shows that a certain kind of drug test can test positive. Um, uh, if they're using CBD, it can test positive for THC. So maybe it's just a, a cannabinoid test as opposed to a specific cannabinoid test. Uh, so he ended up using this guy as an expert witness and won his uh, won his custody case. Yeah, I think that's always a fear with with CBD and in general with anybody that you know, worries about their work, probation, parole, any of those things, you know, some things obviously being full spectrum, you'll have that risk. But if you really, you know, truly think that you have something that's CBD only one, making sure that that's true and that there isn't a full spectrum aspect. And two, also making sure that, you know, if you are doing those tests, that there are true and accurate tests that are going to, you know, check for THC, not just say, oh, CBD counts as weed, because I mean, it doesn't. You risk taking somebody's child away for something that's legally level on a lot of state levels as well as federally legal right so this is kind of cool so not only did they uh they helped out here in his case but this guy's been kind of going around and helping people out all over the country fighting these uh these similar cases which i mean you think these labs would just drop that that drug test yeah or come up with a more advanced way well i mean there i mean obviously there's drug tests out there that are are working so why are you not using the one that's working instead of this one that's flawed it either comes down to one of two things i'd imagine one being the monetary cost of updating the testing that you do updating the machines that you do or two like we always again see is just people not being compliant with the fact that it's going to change and not changing their ways to actually adapt to the new things that are going to come i mean it's only going to grow CBD definitely is not going to go away. In I guess six that does months. make sense. Maybe their test is just outdated, and you know, CBD wasn't such a big thing. Yeah, they three didn't or four have years ago. So, and if it was illegal then, same. you know, yeah. they're not worried about it. And right. I would imagine, you know, new testing is going to require, you know, obviously training of your people, probably new equipment, a whole new standard for what is legal, what isn't legal. But I mean, that's why we pay taxes. That's the whole point of taxes. If, if you're going to use a government entity you've got to be up with taxes are here to oppress us not to help us yeah but sometimes they might help too not me but other people are <laughs> sure all right moving on uh this article is from mj biz daily uh colorado's largest cannabis grower loses millions in early free supply disruption so 
this company is called Los Sueños, and they're based out of Pueblo, Colorado. And Colorado got hit with some early snow and freezing temperatures this year. And these guys were supposed to have their biggest year, and they lost millions because they couldn't harvest it fast enough before that freeze, so the plant system ended up freezing. Yeah, I don't think they really expected it. I mean, global warming clearly is real, but that's a topic for a different podcast. But that's sad to, to have it so early in the year, and they said, what, about half they had harvested? 20,000 of their 40,000, was it plants or acres as, as a whole? Uh, plants. Plants. 20,000 so plants. Yeah. That's insane. To I mean, they said, yeah, it's a huge loss, but it's not a complete loss, which will always help. So would that mean there's going to be a lot more of those shitty vape cartridges floating around? <laughs> that definitely. That definitely uh, well, that, yeah, they did actually mention in here that they're... Uh, <laughs> They're planning on using the salvaged biomass for extraction. Yeah, which... I, I mean, knew it. Right. But, I mean, does does freezing temperatures really affect the biomass? I mean, there's there's much worse vape cartridges out there that are full of pesticides and shit, so... But I, I guess that this company, this company is being uh, uh, acquired by MedMen, so uh, maybe they will just be pumping out garbage carts. Yeah, <laughs> one loss after another. Fuck MedMen. Right, fuck them. They said after the freeze, some of the plants that they took from the field and dried, the biomass was testing at 18 to 24% THC content, which normally they would test in the 6 to 8% range. So, I mean, at least they're, they're going to recoup a little bit as selling it as all, you know, biomass from the freeze. But it just sucks that, you know, obviously that wasn't their business plan. You've right. got to know, though, in, I mean, in farming anywhere in the world, anywhere in the United States, that the weather is going to be a key element, you know. They so, can, they, yeah, they say that... Um, this, this is going to send a rippling effect throughout the state's supply chain, reducing the amount of uh, available marijuana to retailers and processors because these guys have a 36-acre outdoor production as well as a large indoor cultivation operation. So they, they claim that they're the largest cannabis farm in North America. So, I mean, uh, they probably are. That's a, that's a lot of fucking land. Insert air quotes, the largest legal marijuana farm in North America. You never know if somebody's right. doing it better than they are. No, uh, the Mexican mafia has got it on the what's that called? The uh, the national forests. Oh yeah, see, yeah, it's probably a lot bigger <laughs> than. They're not. They're not covering that in this article. Though. Don't come for us. We're not going to give your locations away. So, uh, despite everything, they're expecting the yield to come out twenty five percent better than last year. So. Must have planted a fuckload more than they did last year. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It looks like a fucking a Christmas tree farm when you actually like look at these aerial pictures. There's just row after row and these tiny little roads between them that like it's hard to tell that that's even marijuana. Obviously, it's such a big picture, but they literally look like just tons of little Christmas trees in rows and rows and rows all the way throughout. That's where big... I want to pick my Christmas tree from. Is, that, a, is that yeah, an option? <laughs> me and you both. We'll go help you harvest that other twenty thousand. So, uh, in our last article here, this is from Business Insider. So, this is about a company out of Canada called CanTrust, C-A-N-N Trust Holdings, and they have to destroy $77 million in products because, or, did I read that wrong? No, I'm sorry. They have to destroy... 65 million worth of weed inventory and roughly 12 million of biological assets. So I believe what they're referring when they refer to biological assets, they're talking about the uh, extracts yeah. and 
all that other stuff. I would imagine probably seeds too and yeah. things like that, that that they would plan on using in the in the future. So they they lost their license to sell and produce cannabis on September 17th after Health Canada found that multiple facilities that they were managing weren't compliant with their uh, pot growth recommendation or regulations. Which is another good thing. Look at this. They end prohibition. They've actually got people out in the field making sure that, you know, they are compliant. They're using what they should be. And when they're not, look, I mean, I bet you this company will never again have this problem. After a loss like that, they're always going to make sure they're in compliance, which overall would protect the consumer because then you're not going to be purchasing trash that you think, well, it comes from a dispensary and I bought it at a store. That doesn't just mean it's good. It'd be nice that they'll go back to, you know, the Canadian compliance level and then you'll know you're actually having quality product and not just trash. Right, because again, the goal is you're supposed to be selling people quote-unquote medicine and not some sort of contaminated product or even a product that has less cannabinoid content than what's advertised because the goal is to help people, not hurt people. Yeah, and I'm sure, I think, I believe Canatrust, I'm pretty sure that they're a publicly traded company. They are, and they actually went up after this announcement somehow, their stock increased, Yeah, cause which I don't really understand. I mean, you know... You just uh, buy when it's down. Yeah. yeah, sell when it's high, but I'm sure that once you have all those shareholders to answer to, that's going to make it, you know, you can't really just brush over it like fucking Medman or whatever they're called. It's not going to use their name and give them clout, but you actually have somebody that you've got to answer to in the long run because these people are taking their own money that they work for, and um, you're just throwing 77. I mean, shit, you want to throw that much money away? My bank account's open. <laughs> I'll send you my Venmo. Link it below. So, the inventory that's set for destruction includes product returned by distributors, patients, and retailers. So, that's pretty cool on behalf of uh, Health Canada that instead of just saying, okay, you guys have to shut down production, no, you guys got to take all this trash back that you pumped out to these retailers and distributors and destroy it as well. So, they completely cut it off. Yeah, and make them take accountability. It's like I, I I've never seen again. It's like a recall for weed. Yeah, they, I've never seen a, a marijuana recall, but that's going to protect the people. Like I said, it's it's going to be a major blow to their company, where they'll actually have to be accountable for it. And then also, you know, you're, I, I would imagine that their sales are going to decline until they're back and people actually gain that trust from them again. You you've got to imagine losing tons of you know your distributors and who's selling your product, who's buying it. Because, you know, as a, as a business owner yourself, I'm sure that you wouldn't want to have a bunch of product that you return. And then if they call you in eight months or a year and say, oh, well, we've got this again, why would you want to do business with them? You're not going to want to take it from your customers, issue that apology yourself, ship it back, not have the product. That just, I mean, that's such a, a hard PR blow to the company and, and right. what they stand behind. For sure. All right, that's all we've got this week. We'll catch you guys next week. And don't forget, Burner's in here next week on the 24th before his concert at the waiting room. Yeah, that'll be a fun one.